When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. Welcome to another podcast at sliceoffice.com brought to you by our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated, Madison Firefighters Local 311, the Operating Engineers Local 139, and Madison Teamsters Local 695. On the live line with us is our great county executive, Joe Parisi, who is running for re-election. He's got a race coming up in April. Joe, good to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Slide. I appreciate it. I figure I don't have to call you Mr. County Executive. No, no, it's Joe. Okay, good. (laughs) All right, so you've been at this a while. Uh, You obviously still must like the job. I do. You know, this job, uh, it's, it's not an exaggeration to say it's, it's one of the greatest honors of my life to be in this position. Um, there is just so much change and good that one can do in this position. And to be able to, you know, growing up here, to be able to have this impact on my community and be able to interact with the community I grew up in on a daily basis is just, it, it's a dream come true. You're, you've got a unique background in that, you know, there's such a... Uh demarcation between the east and west sides of, of Dane County. You've, li- you've lived in both. I have. You know, I, I spent the first 18 years of my life in Middleton, and then I moved to the east side originally because um, I started playing music with some guys in a band over here, and then I've lived on the east side now for over 40 years. And, you know, there definitely is a difference between the east and the west, but there's a lot in common, too. So I like them both. All right. Uh, what have over these? You know, you got elected in what 2011? Is that right? Yeah. So what have what has been the biggest struggle? Well, you know, it's it's the struggles have changed the entire time. I mean, I think if you look out at Dane County in general, um, if if you look at, I guess we could start with speaking of the differences. You know, we look at east and west, but we also have, you know, Dane County is like a microcosm of the state. We have an urban core, suburbs, small towns, rural. And, you know, those are a lot of different kind of subcultures within one community. And people, you know, a, a lot of times start from a place of, oh, that person's different than me, that, that, that community is different than mine. And so I've, you know, had the, the, the ability to spend time going all over the county. And even though I grew up here, there are so many places that I've experienced that I had, had never before in my life. And the difference is, are really quite interesting and but again you come back to the fact that you know we we focus on our differences and sometimes in a negative way but really you know i can be standing out in a farm field or next to a a dairy barn with 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 a farmer or i can be you know in the city of madison you know talking with some folks in the neighborhood and at our core everyone is so similar and everyone just wants the same thing and i think helping people see that and bridge some of those perceived divides is something that's really important for us to do. Yeah, there used to be quite a contentious battle on the county board. Uh, that seems to have maybe gone and maybe a different. There's kind of a different. There's kind of a different paradigm on the county board now than there was during the the days of the conservatives versus the liberals. Now it's kind of the liberals versus the far left. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, and I, I think it's kind of a reflection of how the community has involved. I mean, evolved. We've always been a rather, you know, democratic-leaning um, county, but that's become even more so, especially as we've become more urbanized throughout the entire community. Um, there's, a, you know, as you said, most of the board would fall under the, the label of 
progressive from one you know end of the spectrum um, to another. So you just don't see some of those battles that you used to see. Yeah, I think Act 10 ended a lot of people uh, dabbling with uh, conservatives. I, I know a lot, a lot of DNR agents and people that are maybe a little more culturally conservative after Scott Walker, they were done. Yeah, well, and in general, the, the, you know, the, the Republican Party has gone so far to the right. Um, just people who used to you know, be comfortable there aren't comfortable there anymore. So, uh, you know, the, the position of county executive is different than the position of mayor. And we've only had a few county executives. I remember, I must have been about 12 years old the first time we actually even elected a county executive. Yeah, it's so, a relatively new post. Right. As you said, it's, it's set up different than a mayor. A mayor is really kind of the leader of the council, right? They, they, they go to the council meetings. They, they interact with the council much more than a county executive does. We're, a county executive is much more akin the way county government is set up to state government. Um, and so it's, it's like a mini governor in, in a sense because the county executive doesn't run the county board meetings. It's a much more separate body, and we deal with such a vast array of programs. We're kind of a creature of the state enacting so many of the programs that the state has. You know, over half of our budget is human services, um, for example. Yeah, I don't, I don't think people know that. You deliver the services that, that people really depend on. That's not the city. And I'm not saying the city doesn't help people that are in need, but it, social services are, are really delivered by the county. Yeah, and I think people, people probably interact with the county or county-funded agencies much more often than they even realize, um, because we also, you know, we also fund a number of nonprofit organizations that are doing work in the community as well. Let's talk a little bit about this pandemic. You, you know, you as well as every other elected official got thrown. Uh, I shouldn't say a curveball because even Tommy Thompson was warning for years that we were going to see a pandemic. Was that even ever in the back of your mind? Certainly not a pandemic. And I think part of the reason for that was that I always assumed, and boy, was I wrong, as so many of us were looking back, that the federal government had this. <laughs> Um, that if something like this happened, and as we know, you know, the, you know, under the Obama administration, they were set up to, you know, have, have the full force of the federal government behind containing and, and, and running the response to a pandemic. I think what I was not prepared for was the fact that the, the, the federal government would not only not be there, but in many ways they would be acting counter to what we needed to do to control this pandemic and to protect the people. How much did, uh, between the Fox News Channel, conservative talk radio, even locally, and then the former president's behavior, how much more difficult did it make it for you to, to getting people to take the precautions to actually protect one another and follow the golden rule? So I would say locally, so for example, in Dane County, folks have been great coming together, you know, and, and there's been, sure, there, there, there are the vocal people who, you know, oppose any type of, 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 of regulations to try to control the pandemic and that sort of thing. But the vast majority of people in Dane County want to do the right thing and have adhered to the guidelines, you know, except for the minority that, that, that doesn't and is loud. I think where it hurt us the most was where, where when it, 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 
it, it hit the state level and it hit state government. Um, you know, government, Governor Evers, you know, was correct in imposing the Safer at Home when he initially did. And then when the Republican legislature, you know, challenged it in the Supreme Court and had it struck down, that certainly had an impact on us here locally. Now, we put our own health orders um, into effect, you know, so that we in, in Dane County could still have that guidance, but then we started getting sued also. So rather than, you know, everyone rallying together, like I remember my parents talking about, you know, how, what people did during the Great Depression and World War II, we had to be fighting with people whose goal was <laughs> basically to, to, to hamstring our ability to protect people. So that that was something that has and you know continues to take up a lot. Yeah, your 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 opponent is all about you know reopening. Uh, Although really not that much is closed right now, other than music venues and you know it's not like the the county is locked down. No, I mean, and we're on a really good trajectory right now. Um, You know, as you know, we've been able to loosen the restrictions on restaurants and on, on bars and on gatherings. And we anticipate that we will be continuing to head in that direction, too. Um, public health has said by this summer um, they think will be, you know, very unrestrictive, and there may not even be restrictions come summer if we continue at the rate of vaccinations and the cases plummeting as they have. Yeah, I got my, I got my first shot last Friday. So. Oh, good for you. Yeah. That's great. That's great to hear. Tell me a little bit about uh, the Dane County Farmer to Food Bank program. Yeah, so early on um, in the pandemic last year, uh, as you recall, one of the things that we started to see was businesses were closing down, supply chains were disrupted, and that not only impacted folks, you know, locally in in businesses that we think of like like restaurants and manufacturing, et cetera, it also hit our farmers really hard. And, you know, it was restaurants closed down, a lot of our growers lost their markets, a lot of our farmers, their, 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 their chains broke down. At the same time, that many people were losing their jobs and needed help with food. So we created a partnership with Second Harvest Food Bank in which the county committed to giving them a million dollars a month um, in order to help make up for the incredible demand that, 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 that was created due to the, the pandemic. But what we did is we asked them with that money to source as much as possible from local farmers and growers. And so that way, um, we were able to help both our farmers and our growers and folks who needed food, and they also got a lot more fresh local food because of it. And there were times when, depending on the month, they were able to source about 80% of the food they were buying from local farmers and growers. And I spoke with some of our growers a couple of weeks ago. We had a Zoom check-in, some of the CSA farmers, who told me that literally their farms were saved because of this program. So it was really rewarding to be able to not only help folks get the food they needed, but to do it in a way that helped our local farmers and growers at the same time. Well, I bet even former Dane County Executive Jonathan Berry would like that. I would think so. He was a truck farmer. Right. You know, you've got to work with your local growers. So can you find tangible evidence that this actually helped save some, some farmers? Oh, absolutely. I've, they've, they've told me, you know, to my face, to my face over Zoom, um, that, that this has saved their, some of their farms, some of the growers. And there were farmers, you know, and, and then, so we have the vegetable growers, then some of the more traditional farmers, uh, you know, the, the pork farmers, the dairy farmers, you know, folks who were looking at having to destroy some of their product. 
but then this helped find markets for that product. Do you think we're going to be able to have farmers markets this spring and summer? So the way it's beginning this summer is it's going to begin again at the Alliant Energy Center, um, you know, so they can do it a little more spaced. But it's our hope that later in the summer um, we will get to a place where they'll be able to do it on the square. Ultimately, that decision isn't up to me. That's up to the farmer's market folks, um, you know, who, who put it on. But, again, the trajectory, especially for outdoor events, um, is going in such a good direction that I think we're going to see a lot of progress. Joe Parisi with us. He, of course, is running for re-election for another term as county executive. We'll take a quick break and be right back at SliceOffice.com. Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Fort Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. That's GTWlawyers.com. We're back at SliceOffice.com, brought to you by Madison Computer Works and also Jeff's Guitar Clinic. Joining us again, Dane County Executive Joe Parisi, who is running for re-election for another term as the... Head County Executive, uh, let me ask you a little bit about one of the things the county uh, delivers, and that is mental health. Uh, it is it's one of those things that people don't see, but boy, uh, they certainly can feel. And even people that have not dealt with mental illness or substance abuse, after this pandemic, they were. What has the county done to dealt with that, to deal with that? right, Sly. I mean, you know, mental health challenges have kind of gone, you know, to a certain extent under the radar forever. Um, And there's, you know, some folks, you know, might feel shy about coming forth. You know, there's been a stigma around mental health. You know, first of all, just I I can't say in strong enough terms that, you know, if anyone listening is suffering from a mental health challenge or knows someone or cares about someone who is, um, you know, please reach out and get help. And, you know, having a mental health challenge is just like having a physical health challenge, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, you're not alone, and, and there are people who want to help you, and you can get better. Um, so that said, you know, what, one of the things that we focused on, um, that I focused on since being exec, is trying to make mental health services more available, right? Because everyone knows you can, you know, sometimes you, you might want to get help, but you don't even know where to start. And especially if you're not seeking it like through a traditional um, um, service. So one of the things we did that's interesting is I do a lot of reaching out and going and meeting with different folks and just asking open-end questions um, to, to learn about needs in the community. And a few years back, I was meeting with some folks in Verona. We were in a church basement working, talking with um, some law enforcement, some, some county social services, some folks from the schools, and they said, what are the biggest challenges you guys are running into? And to a T, every person said, access to mental health services for kids in our schools. You know, with the, with the funding cuts that we've had over the years, there have been more cuts 
to, to, to supplementary services in our schools. And kids having mental health challenges, too often, if it's a severe challenge, you know, the police are called in. And the cops are saying, you know, we're not the people for this. These people need help. And so we developed a partnership um, with Catholic Charities. And, again, this, so this is another one of those programs I mentioned to you that people might not even realize it's the county. Um, we, we developed a partnership with Catholic Charities through which we put two-person mental health teams in schools across the county. And the county invests a million dollars a year in this, in this initiative. And what this does is it makes mental health care available in the schools for young people and their families who are having challenges. So rather, you know, say there's a, 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 you know, an acute incident where someone's having a severe mental health challenge and it's disrupting a class, there's someone there who can go and help de-escalate the situation without calling the police and help get that young person and their family the help they need. And then there's the other end of the spectrum. You know, you start to see there's someone who might be suffering from anxiety, from depression, and then you get them connected to services. Um, and this has been incredibly effective and popular in virtually every school district, as I mentioned, has it. Um, we also last year started a new program through which we're helping to fund mental health um, services in community centers. And we're letting the community centers design that. One might think, might, might feel that they, um, what's best for them is a traditional therapist. Others feel that, you know, what's best for their clientele and people who go to their community center is more of a peer support model. So we're doing that on one hand, is reaching out in the community, especially for kids. And then on the other hand, do I have like a couple minutes to describe one more? You bet. Go for it. Okay, great. I want to be respectful of your time. So as, as you may have heard, um, you know, tragically, a couple of years ago, a good friend of all of ours, Charles Tubbs, um, lost his son, CJ, right. to um, addiction and mental health challenges. And, you know, when we, when we sat down with the Tubbs family afterwards to say, what can we do? What, what could have helped? And this is Charles Tubbs, who's, you know, a former police chief at, at the Capitol and in Beloit and currently serves as the emergency management director at Dane County. He's connected, and he knows where to call for help. But even Charles said there were times I, we just didn't know where to turn. So we created, in his son C.J.'s honor, the new Dane County Mental Health um, Behavioral Health Resource Center. And what this is, it's a one-stop shop where people can call if they, they or a loved one needs access to mental health care and don't know where to begin. So even if you have insurance, you don't have insurance, you have Badger Care, you can call here, and it's a partnership between Dane County and all of our, our health care providers in, in town, and someone will stick with you for 30 days, a person here in town, to make help you navigate the, the, the system, the, whichever one you're in, and or if you're not in one, get you plugged into one, and get you connected to the mental health services um, that you need. So we're trying, again, to make mental health services as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. Uh, and I know Tellurian does a very good job uh, because yeah. they help people uh, not only with addiction but with mental health issues. Yep, yep. Uh, and so often the, the two are intertwined. Right, right. Uh, you know, but we also have the problem that, frankly, there are a lot of um, – psychiatrists uh, and therapists that don't take, uh, they don't take Medicaid. So how do we deal with this in the long run to make sure that, that people that are poor uh, get mental health coverage? Yeah, so that's, that's part of the push behind our going into the schools and going into the community centers, right? So, 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 so we're providing help right in the schools. 
There's also a new program, it's where the, the acronym is CCS, um, that, that helps the county um, ha- help people that may just, you know, have MA that, that, that doesn't have a good reimbursement get the full reimbursement. So we're able to bring many more providers into the system. I mean, ultimately, you know, beyond our control is just, you know, the healthcare system in America, right? It's, it's, it's pretty messed up, and there's a lot of waste. Um, and, and the way things are done, hopefully, will continue to evolve um, with, with the new president. Um, but, you know, our system, we spend a lot of time helping people navigate a system that isn't designed very well in the first place. The other day, I, my Facebook memory popped up a uh, picture of you, me, uh, Ed Sedlowski Jr., Michael Moore, John Matthews, all walking arm-in-arm solidarity up to the Capitol. You may remember that moment. I sure do. So how has it been navigating relationships with labor unions without uh, without the official collective bargaining rights that they had previous to Scott Walker? Yeah, you know, it's hard. We've, we've put, we've do a lot of work in their ongoing conversations always because we've tried to, one of the things that we did right after I was elected, which, as you recall, was right after Act 10, we sat down with the goal of recreating something that was as close to what we had before, but that was within the guidelines of Act 10, which is something that had never been done before. And so we were able to um, create something called employee groups so that the employees can still have input into the system. Um, you know, so we have, we have a relationship that's, that's, that's more, I should say, you know, organized, more, more official than, than a lot of the ones across the, the county or across the state. Um, but we can't do what we could during Act 10. Um, I mean, fortunately, here in Dane County, we have a lot of respect for our workers, and we didn't do what virtually everyone else in, in the state did, um, which was take advantage of Act 10 to impose cuts and, and balance the budgets on the back of our workers. Are you disappointed in the counties Association and their, their acquiescence to this? Yeah, you know, Dane County left the counties Association this year. That is good to hear. Yeah, they, 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 they have not, you know, first of all, they, they don't really benefit larger counties. Um, they're, they're, they're much more conservative and they're much more leaning toward smaller counties um, who don't necessarily view things the way that Dane and Milwaukee and Kenosha um, counties do. So, you know, that was a, a membership that, you know, they worked against us even when it came down to the, the health orders statewide this year during the pandemic, um, they were working with a conservative law firm um, that, 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 that advised counties not to enact guidelines like we enacted in Dane County. And that was very frustrating for us because even though we lost the state guidelines, we were trying to build coalitions with our surrounding counties um, to enact similar guidelines because of obviously this virus knows no boundaries and our healthcare system in Madison, you know, it's Rock County, Columbia, all those counties feed into it. And there were a number of counties surrounding Dane County who were going to Im- enact guidance of their own after the states got struck down, but because WCA's attorneys advised against it, and in our opinion, incorrectly, um, they backed away because they were afraid they would, would get in legal trouble. 
so you know, that was one of the last straws for us, really, that they were working directly against us. So it's unfortunate, but it's, it's good that we're not wasting taxpayer dollars being part of that association anymore. We now have a president who openly uses the L word, labor, and labor unions and the importance of, of rising wages, bringing people yeah. up uh, to dignity. Um, how do we develop good jobs in Dane County? Let me give you one example of something. You know, labor does so much that people aren't aware of. They bring so much value. Let's talk about the, the building trades for a moment. People probably don't know about the fact that the electricians, the laborers, the, 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 you know, all, and on and on and on, the, like, all different, different um, building trades unions have non-taxpayer-funded training centers throughout the state. There are a number of them right here in Dane County. So they take apprentices, they take people in, and they train them on their own dime. So we don't have to, <laughs> and it doesn't cost us a penny. So what we get in return is highly qualified workers who have had an opportunity to be trained in a trade. It doesn't cost them any money. They actually get paid as they're, as, as they're um, going through their apprenticeship. Um, and they are ready to go out and, and, and do the work that needs to be done and do it right the first time. I mean, when we've done projects, when we're able to utilize union labor, it's, I breathe a sigh of relief because you know that you have quality trained workers. So they train the workforce. They provide a quality product. And then beyond that, there's a program called Project Big Step. Now, this is something that well, you know, was first developed in the Milwaukee area. And a few years ago, um, as we were looking at the fact that there are all these great careers in the trades, and there are a lot of people looking for careers, but the twain kind of never meet, right? There's, and, and so I grew up in a family where everyone was a union construction worker. So if I wanted to get into the trades, I knew how because I knew people. But if you're not part of that network, it can be kind of daunting. So we created a branch of Project Big Step here in Dane County, and what this is, and again, it's not taxpayer funded, it's funded by the trades and by the contractors, they re do outreach into the community to help acquaint people with careers in the trades and show them that pathway. So if you want to start at looking into the trades but you don't know where to begin, Project Big Step is here to show you this is what electricians do, this is what laborers do, this is what operating engineers do. And then if, if one of those interests you, here's the career path and here's how you get there. And by the way, you get paid while you're getting trained to be there. So there are amazing careers in the trades. There's a huge need for people in the trades. And again, here you have the trade unions doing this outreach, providing the training and providing the jobs and the quality <laughs> work that we need. Um, you know, and so... You think of how sometimes people who don't like unions for whatever reason try to frame them, and then you look at the reality on the ground of the work folks are doing and, 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 and how much that helps our community and our society, and there's a great story to tell there. Finally, uh, obviously, uh, late last year, Dave Mahoney announced that he is going to be leaving the sheriff's office. Yeah. Uh, how does that how does that affect you? How do you how do you feel about that, and how did you wor work with him? You know, Dave was an well, still is for another few months, an amazing sheriff. 
Um, you know, we, Dave and I have a great relationship. Um, he has taken that sheriff's department. You know, you and I were talking earlier about, you know, how the county has changed and how county government has changed. You know, before Dave was sheriff, there were over, you know, there were, I think, around 11, 1,200 was the average daily population of the jail. They were shipping people to other communities. Dave went in there and implemented programs that helped get people out of jail, be it on, on, a, you know, on a bracelet, if they could you know, get out on Huber, um, looking at, at programs to help divert and rehabilitate people. And now the average daily population you know, before the pandemic is around 700 and some. Um, and so he has a very holistic approach to his job. Now, he can't control it all because he's kind of the last step in the criminal justice system, right? By the time someone comes to him, it's, it's something that started long before that. But Dave is always looking at the big picture. He's, he's been focused on, on progressive reform, and he is one of the most accessible elected officials this county has ever seen. You see him at town hall meetings. You see him at labor meetings. He is out and about, and he will be missed. I hope the governor makes a wise choice to replace him. Uh, finally, uh, we have these beautiful lakes and yet we have problems with the lakes with flooding and with pollution. Uh, any steps you're taking to make sure that those, those lakes are better than when they were when you took over? Yeah, you know, and this is another one of those success stories about having the urban and the rural folks come together in partnership. Because one of the big challenges, if we look at the clean lake side of it before we get to the flooding, with our lakes is runoff from both yards, you know, from, you know, fertilizer from yards and, and runoff from our agricultural areas. So over the last, well, since I've been executive, we have developed great partnerships with our local farmers to help them implement practices that reduce runoff. You know, we've developed a couple of manure digesters, which take that manure and remove most of the phosphorus and generate renewable energy from it. And this helps reduce the amount of phosphorus that gets into our lakes that creates algae blooms. And in addition to that, we have this great program called, we call it Suck the Muck. It's a great title <laughs> for a program where we go into what we discovered is there are miles and miles of streams that feed into our lake system that are filled with sediment, with phosphorus-laden sediment that sometimes goes back 100 years. It's decades-old runoff. And we go in there and literally suck that muck out of there with hydraulic dredge and remove all of this phosphorus that's just in the streams that drains right into the lakes. And then that helps not only get our lakes cleaner, um, but it, it, it rejuvenates the natural habitat and fish spawning grounds and biodiversity. And so we have a lot of really important programs going on to remove phosphorus from the system and to prevent it from going in. Then on the other side, when we look at the lake's flooding piece, as we saw three years ago um, when we had those terrible floods, our climate is changing, and we're having many more um, high-volume uh, high rain events. And when that happens, all of that rain goes into our lakes, especially into Lake Mendota, and it has to drain out all four lakes. But over the years, the channels between the lakes have become clogged, clogged with a different kind of sediment than, than the other stuff I was talking about. This is more construction site runoff. It's sandy. And the water can't drain out of the lakes quick enough, and it backs up and we get flooding. So 
So last year we began a multi-year project through which we are dredging those channels in between the lakes so when we get these heavy rain events, we can get the water through the chain of lakes faster and help alleviate and prevent flooding. Do we have to lower Lake Mendota? Yeah, right now we don't have the ability, usually because it drains so slow, to lower it to the point even now where the, where the DNR goals are. The DNR sets where the level should be, and we can't even get there all the time. So once we can, we can um, you know, move that water through faster and then over the next few years, we'll be able to control that much better. Joe Parisi, thank you for taking some time to talk with us, and, and good luck with your reelection. Thanks, Sly. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Dane County Executive Joe Parisi with us today at Sly'sOffice.com. Sly'sOffice.com. Thanks a million. Bye-bye.